think that sometimes it can take away from it. Like whenever you have too much stuff to worry about and like things that can break and things you got to set up and things you got to tear down and like all of that, it, to me, like it kind of takes away from the reason I went out there in the first place was like to get away from like all the crap that I have, like sitting at home, things that I'm worrying about that aren't really that important. I'm just trying to be out there and, and, and trying to clear my head and stuff. So if I have a more of a simple kit, and stuff that I don't have to really worry about that allows me to like have more time to clear my head. It's really bizarre to me still to this day after all this time when someone's like, are you Darwin? I'm like, oh shit, do I owe you five bucks? Like <laughs> it always throws me off every single time. Hello again, friends, and welcome to My Back 40 and the My Back 40 podcast. I'm your host, Steve O'Shaughnessy. How's it going? You've been getting out riding your bike? Um, man, I went for a ride this morning, and uh, boy, was it zesty. Holy shit. Um, I rode the Westside Legacy Trail down to SRL, to the parking lot, and then did the loop there, and then basically a lollipop, kind of go out, do a loop, come back. And uh, it was pretty tough. Legacy Trails, just all foot, track it, <laughs> foot traffic and whatnot, but... Uh, um, SRL was a blast, but man, it was just basically the whole way around. I don't know how far that is. It's only about 10 K I think it's about 5 K out and back and then 10 K on the loop, I think ish. Anyway, <clears throat> it was ice man the whole way. It was crazy. And then people who live in this area who've ridden there, um, there's this, uh, usually a descent. Most people ride it, uh, clockwise. I think I was going into it counterclockwise. So there's a, this section called ride don't slide. And uh, it's just usually pretty dusty and it's not usually that big of a deal, but I was coming the other way, coming up and uh, it was really slick. I had to walk, but I couldn't find anywhere to put my feet. It was crazy. It was so icy. I don't know if those of you who saw my Instagram post um, the other night I was riding at, at Lake Lillian. There's this section down by the creek where you cross the bridge. And honestly, I'm so, I've been here for a decade. I don't know what the creek is called. <laughs> That's just the way I roll. I, don't, I guess I don't pay much attention. Um, just this little creek and there's a bridge and they just up updated the bridge. But again, uh, most people ride it kind of uh, in a eastbound direction. I was kind of coming into it westbound. So there's this a couple punchy climbs. And so the first climb, um, I just walked. There's kind of a root ball and I couldn't get enough juice to get up over that root ball. So I got off and I just walked it and it was, it was kind of sketchy. This, the next section isn't usually as hard, especially in the summer. But I, I got riding into it and... Um, and my studs started to slip and I was between these two trees, like a goalpost kind of arrangement. So I wasn't able to get any more forward momentum. My studs were slipping in the ice and uh, I'm a pretty good climber. Um, it was just really fucking slick. And I reached out with my right hand and like, just like pop, just grabbed a tree and I was hanging there. I was perched. I was totally perched. And then, um, you know, I needed two hands. So I like reached out with my left hand and grabbed the tree that's beside me on that side. And I was just starfished between these two trees with my bike between my legs. And it was, it wasn't the middle of the night, but full dark. Right. And, um, it might've been seven at night or something. And, um, the only one around, I saw two other guys riding around people. I should say, I don't know if they're boys or girls or whatever, but I, I didn't see, I didn't actually see who they were, but there were a couple other people around, but they had kind of moved on past that section, but uh, I was totally perched. And so, you know, I'm sitting there on the saddle and it's kind of, you know, wedged, I'm kind of wedged on my bike 
And so I had to kind of wriggle my hips a little bit until the bike basically dropped out from under me. And I reached down with my left hand and grabbed my handlebar and basically, you know, hugged that other tree with my right hand. And I was finally able to get up and over it, but I was laughing out loud. I was like, holy fuck, what this must look like. Like if there's a, you know, a predator, like a cougar or a, or a bear hanging out up there, not really this time of year, but cougars could be around, but, um, they must have just, you know, looked at me, look at this clown, <laughs> look at this clown. He's going to be delicious. <laughs> anyway, it was pretty fun. Uh, I love getting out there and, and riding bikes. I love, I love winter riding so much. It's, um, n- not only is it harder and pushing that bike around, it's higher strain, but man, you got to use a lot of body English when you're, when you're riding, but it really tunes up your, uh, technical riding skills, I think for the summer. And, um, I think that, Everyone should have a fat bike. And I keep saying that because I, I take so much joy in winter riding. But something else I want to talk to you about are my sponsors. And Dynamic Cyclist is a brand new sponsor of mine. And they are fantastic. They offer mobility and stretching programs. And they're short. They're anywhere between, I think, 10 and, say, 20 minutes. And I've really integrated this into my morning routine. I love getting up, get some coffee, and I hit the floor. And I do a little bit of stretching and mobility work in the mornings. Whether mornings are the best time for me, I'm not sure. It's when I'm able to fit it in. But what I found, what I've found is that my body feels more balanced. Uh, I feel more able to uh, react on the bike. Um, you're not not able, but I just feel a bit more spry now. You know, and I have super super stiff hips. I've been riding bikes for a really long time, like. 30 years. I always say that I'm like an old rider, but I'm not old. I'm only like not even 50 yet. I'm 50 next year. But you know, you ride bikes, you do the same thing for 30 years and your body's going to start barking at you. And dynamic cyclist has really helped me, um, mend and recover my body and become more balanced, more powerful. And I really recommend them. So head on over to dynamiccyclist.com. Check out their programs they have there. I think you can try it free for a week. And if you do, let me know what you think of it. Um, and then if you sign up, use the promo code MB40 at checkout, and they're going to give you 25% off that. So, you know, you've got nothing to lose. Go and check it out. And if you dig it, sign up. And when you help my sponsors, you help me. And I love it. And I love you guys for um, giving them some attention, some well-deserved attention. So thank you, Dynamic Cyclist. And also thank you, Cycling 101. Ryan Draper and Cycling 101 have been a sponsor of the podcast since the get-go, and I couldn't be more appreciative. Uh, they've been running their promo code with me on my podcast since the very beginning, and it's 101VIP20. Head on over to cycling-101.com, and if you schedule a bike fit or a consultation, use the promo code 101VIP20 at checkout, and you're going to save 20%. So bike fit is so important, and what's also important is being on the right training program. So a consultation could be very valuable. You reach out to Ryan, tell him what your goals are, tell him what your targets are, and he can basically mold a training program around your life. And that's what's so great about Cycling 101. It's a very intuitive company. And in terms of what they've been doing for me, um, mostly it's been life coaching lately, uh, just getting me through some hard times. And um, I really appreciate Ryan, my coach, for, for helping me through the last three or four months. It's been invaluable. And um, as things, the dust starts to settle, we're going to ramp up our training program uh, for me as I plan to take a crack at the Tour Divide this summer. Fingers crossed that the border is going to be open. But anyway, uh, Dynamic Cyclist, 
MB40 at checkout to save 25% and Cycling 101, uh, you'll save 20% off a bike fitter consultation when you use the promo code 101VIP20 and thank you. I also want to thank some new sponsors, uh, sorry, some some new donators that I have through PayPal. Uh, John, thank you so much for kicking in. Um, those of you who will know John, uh, John Grimsey Jr., uh, and I hope you're, I'm pronouncing your name right. And John and I exchanged a few emails back and forth, and it was lovely. It was really lovely. You know what I really dig? And I say this all the time. You, you guys know what I dig. I dig the community. I love you guys. Um, it's so amazing that you can connect with people all across the globe and we have this common thread in our lives and it doesn't matter where you are, where you're from, how old you are, the color of your skin, uh, your gender, your sex, it doesn't matter. We all fucking love riding bikes. And when I engage with people through social networking, um, my interactions with you guys are just so amazing and I love everyone. I love you guys. So um, John and I exchanged some really awesome emails. And you know what, John? You helped me. You totally helped me, dude. Um, yeah, you, you had some very kind words for me and some great words of advice for me. And, uh, you know, it got me thinking about boundaries a lot. And I don't know. Actually, in a, a podcast I did with someone just today, I'm not going to reveal their name yet, but it's pretty awesome. He's an awesome guest. Um, we were talking about boundaries. And of course, there's context right? There's context of the boundaries that you're talking about, but dude, I'm an open book and I'm not sure if that's a bad thing or if that's a good thing. I'm not sure. And I, I guess, you know, there, sometimes I wonder if, if my boundaries are unhealthy. I don't know. I, I tend to share a lot, but you know what? I get so much out of it. You know, I could just be quiet and not speak my mind or share my feelings on things or, or my opinions with, with people that I talk to. But I find that every time I just, I just give a bit of myself and I get a bit deep with someone. I'm getting emotional talking about it. What I get back is, is just awesome. And I just, I don't know any other way to be. And that was one of the things John said to me, because I said that, you know, I'm just trying to be a better human. I'm trying to be a better man, I'm trying to be a better husband, I'm trying to be a better father. And, um, he basically said, you know, you are who you are, you are who you are. And, you know, that should be enough. <laughs> that should be enough. And I think the other thing too, is that I'm starting to recognize things in myself. And it's funny that it comes so late in life. You have these epiphanies and these realizations of who you are and, and how people respond to you and, and how you um, radiate into the world. You know, I'm just kind of learning about that now and, and trying to get a hold of it. But anyway, I guess what I'm just trying to say is thank you. Thank you everyone for listening and, and thank you for being, and even my podcast guests, you know, like my MO is to dig a little bit. Sometimes I might ask a question that might be a little, you know, just, is that a bit too deep for this person? And just, just to see where it goes. And, and that's the reason I think why I share a lot is because, um, especially with a podcast guest, it's like oftentimes that makes them feel more comfortable in sharing with me. And then however many thousand people listen to this, hopefully there's a thousand people that are listening to this, but I think it just makes for a really good conversation when it just goes below the surface. And that's kind of, that's my MO, man. I just want to connect with people and, and spread the love of cycling and, and activity and, and moving through nature. And, and just, it's just so important. And I just love sharing it with you. So thanks for listening to me, uh, go on a little bit about that. 
So before I move forward, I just wanted to make a slight correction. Bill Poindexter shared some writing um, with everyone, and uh, he gave me his blessing to read it on uh, one of the podcasts. I really, really enjoyed it. You know, one of the things I'd love to do, I'd love to do an audio book. And I'm not sure if I'm cut out for that kind of work with my constant throat clearing and and whatnot, but uh, it would be something fun to do. But anyway, I just wanted to make a correction to the pronunciation of Arapaho. I said Arapaho, so I put the accent in the wrong spot, and I apologize for that. So um, I'd just like to make that correction, and I hope it didn't put a big like fork in the reading kind of thing as I was reading it. Um, I, I do like to be accurate when I'm reading stuff. So uh, apologies, and uh, I just wanted to make that correction. So I'm not sure if you noticed, but there's no voice intros at the beginning of the podcast, and that's cool. But please send them to me. I love hearing from you. Whip out your device, record me something, and send it to myback40podcast at gmail.com, and I'll get it on the show. And also, feedback, guest suggestions, and just shooting the shit with people, man. I try to get back to everyone that writes me, and um, and I really enjoy engaging with you. So I don't know, just reach out. Tell me what's going on. I don't care, man. I just love love chatting and, and keeping engaged with you guys. So don't forget, myback40podcast at gmail.com. And, uh, and like I say, I love hearing from you. Also, if you want to support the podcast the easiest way, go on to your favorite listening platform, give me a five-star rating and a review, and that helps me grow and gives me more exposure to people who are just getting into the podcast realm like John Grimsey Jr. So I appreciate you listening, John. And like I said before, I appreciate all your, uh, your all your advice. Awesome. So let's get on with it. When I first started dipping my feet into the world of bikepacking, my searches for gear information on the internet led me to this guy, Darwin Rakestraw, a.k.a. Darwin on the Trail, long-distance hiker, creator, human-powered adventure machine. The crossover between thru-hiking and bikepacking is pretty short, and since I was looking for gear recommendations from experienced hikers and bikepackers alike, Darwin's YouTube channel became a wealth of information for me, and I made many of my gear choices based on the information he provided. As much as he enjoys hiking and backpacking, cycling has always been his one true love and a huge part of his life, enabling him to lose more than 100 pounds. Cycling also became a catalyst for him racing triathlons for eight years. He created his YouTube channel to inspire others to get outside and push their limits, but found that there just wasn't a lot of interest in the bikepacking videos he put out there. 2021 will change that. As you hear in this episode, Darwin is making a shift and has decided to devote more time to bikepacking and is going to get back into bikepacking events in 2021. Recently, he posted a great short film of a bikepacking trip of the Sky Islands Odyssey. Quote from bikepacking.com, a journey through the vast borderlands of the Wild West, featuring a diverse network of dirt, rocky, and sandy roads that traverse the ever-changing landscapes characteristic of the Sky Islands bioregion in the Sonoran Desert, end quote. This was such a great conversation. We chatted about the importance of getting outside and moving in nature, the difficulties some people experience when returning to real life from their adventures, the importance of creativity in our lives, as well as other topics. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Darwin Rakestraw, a.k.a. Darwin on the trail. I like talking about the gear. You know, I'm just, I'm pretty, I'm pretty okay. new to all this, right? Yeah. I've been, uh, I've been a musician for, for a number of years and I've done a little bit of recording. Um, yeah. but I'm still a dummy. Like when it comes to, you know, compression and, and so I was always like, well, the, the best stuff you could possibly have means the less work you have to do in post. Absolutely. Yeah. All day long. That's, that's the key is it's the same with cameras, man. It's, it's really the same with anything. Like 
I'm a big efficiency person. Like if I can, if, if I can get something that like takes two jobs and makes it one job or something that just speeds up like post-processing of video editing or music editing, whatever it is, like I'm all about efficiency, just being a, as efficient as possible. Cause I'm usually going like a million miles a minute doing like 80 things at once. So you know, and <laughs> I the- need to like structure me a little bit better. <laughs> yeah. And the video thing too, it's like, um, that's a whole other level of of production right like i find audio i find audio pretty like i just use audacity on my mac yeah and it's just like it's like putting a puzzle together like it's not super complicated but then to add video to that and to add all the synchronization and the transitions and the voiceover transitions and all that that cool stuff um tell me about that like is that so is that what you do that's your career audio video yeah yeah man um i uh where i'm at right now is actually our studio um so i own a media company um called outdoor evolution media so i i established the company back in 2019 and it, it's kind of a it's kind of a two-part company it's like the front door of the company is like this uh this media producer so more of an online magazine we started this website so we could help promote other writers and 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 filmmakers and photographers and stuff like that promote their stuff. Uh, basically, use my big audience that I've built up over the years to kind of put a spotlight on other people and share some of the stuff that kind of inspires me. Right? That I, because I'm a big time creator. Like no matter what it is, I love creating. Like I love it. It's it's what drives me. So other people like seeing somebody write a book or someone do a podcast or I love being involved with other creators. Um, so we started this website to kind of start spotlighting and highlighting and writing about and talking about other creators and other people that were doing these things. And then the back door to that was for years, um, you know, I, I, the, the YouTube channel was a mistake. Like that was never supposed to happen. <laughs> it really wasn't. Like I never, that's the funny thing is people all the time talk about like you know i'll say something i'll, I'll bitch about something and people will be like well you wanted this i'm like not really like <laughs> you all suckered me <laughs> um i come from more of like a you know I, I used to own a recording studio so messing with sound a buddy of mine is an indie filmmaker and i grew up you know, shooting a lot of small little indie films and and little short films with him running sound and running cameras so i've always had this love of playing with cameras i'm a big film buff and that's really what I wanted to get into. And I thought, I was like, well, if I'm going to start doing it, I'm going to dip my toes. And there's this YouTube thing that like, I can start for free and I need to get all this shit off my chest anyways. And I'm going through post-trial depression after I get off the AT in 15. So this will be a good start. I got a little GoPro before I like invest in a nice camera and start going all in because I'm an all-in kind of guy. I'll just do this. And then I did it. And then it just kind of became fun. And I started connecting with people and it just kind of took off from there. And like er everything else that I really wanted to do is kind of always taking a back seat because it was just like, go hard on YouTube thing. Like, Oh, people are paying attention. People like it. Like I can use this to create, I can create with this. So then in 2019, I'm a, I'm a very goal oriented. Nice. (laughs) You hear my kids screaming upstairs. Oh yeah. Yeah. That sounds fun. (laughs) I just, she Sloan just came down and she's like, dad, my tummy doesn't feel well. It's like, well, I don't know. Go poop. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what to tell you. You're okay. That's good advice. (laughs) So I imagine, I imagine we'll get interrupted. So sorry about that. 
No, 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 no. You're good. Um, Here they come right now. Come and say hi to Darwin. Hi. Hey, how's it going? How are you? Have you ever seen Daddy watching videos of Darwin on YouTube? No. I'll show you them later. I love you. Can you please shut clo close the door? <laughs> I'll probably leave that in. It's funny, it's funny man. I, I have so many friends and stuff that have kids. And um, I'm not like I always tell people that have kids. Like, I'm totally not a kid person. Like, I, for some reason, kids really like me. Like, I'll go out and be around like other other people's kids and they're just like magnets like attached yeah. to me but i'm just i don't know i'm always uncomfortable around kids because i can't like sit and bullshit with kids they don't they don't yeah. take my shit um, <laughs> so. there's a bi I, I i believe there's a biological construct to that because honestly i never really wanted to have children um yeah. until i met a, a lady that was that was awesome and and it's like you know okay let's do that same thing man kids were just like all over me and i think that it's uh it's in the, our biology that that yeah. the people who are bi biologically maybe not quite bought into the idea of having kids, pheromone or something, and those kids smell it, <laughs> <laughs> they come over. They're like, "You don't want me." <laughs> yeah, it's it's strange. It's really strange because I was the same way. But um, yeah, it's it's hard. It's it's fucking hard. It's the hardest thing yeah, I've ever had to do. It makes endurance racing looks really that's easy. That's what I hear, man. Like I've I've been married for thirteen years uh, this year and. You know, we're, we're going on 14 years and it was kind of like from the get-go we kind of set that plan we're like you know what let's not do kids <laughs> and like we just kind of kind of held to that and every year you know at first i kind of thought like well maybe maybe the older i get i'll want kids and then every year it's just like it's the opposite i'm like no <laughs> no this ain't for us you know and it has its moments and it is getting easier like you know now oh, yeah. now that they're old enough that you can kind of like that reason with them Somewhere, yeah, yeah, right, right. Where last year it would, it would be no, she wasn't having that. I would have to go up, and she would just she would yeah, stand yeah. there anyway. Yeah, to, we don't. Becoming, I don't want to talk about they're, kids. They're becoming like human beings. Yeah, <laughs> they, they are. They understand. And, yeah, they're starting to understand stuff, and I'm sure that won't be the last time we get interrupted. Unfortunately, <laughs> sorry about that. Your oh, time's so true. your time's so precious. <laughs> um. So we were talking about um, um how. Uh, a lot of the things you like to do took a backseat due to your drive. Yeah. Now, do you do you think it was the it was the uh, social networking side of that that no, kind you know of pushed it, that? You know what it was was whenever you do something like a long distance hike, or you know you're out on a trail for four to six months, um, you kind of become very like close with the people that you're around, and you're connecting with people on a completely different level. Um, I, I've explained it to a lot of people and I've, I've kind of talked about it on other podcasts too, the fact that, um, you know, sometimes whenever, not sometimes all the time in your every day to day life, you kind of have like, you have your family at home, right? You have your kids and your wife, and then you have the people that you work with and you have connections with them and you have like similarities with those people. But for the most part, like when you go home, you have a separate life from the people that you're at work with. And whenever you go to work, you have a separate life than the people you're at home with. So even though you'd have these connections with people, um, when you're out on something like a through hike or something where you're spending a lot of time around people that are like-minded, you're all doing the same thing all the time. You're all having these same experiences. 
So you find these like really strong human connections because like every day you're, you're hiking the same miles, you're seeing the same mountains, you're dealing with the same weather, you're eating the same food, you're hungry, you're cold, you're hot, you're wet with the same people. So you can bitch about and talk about the same thing. And then when you're kind of like sucked out of that and you go back to the quote unquote real world, it's really hard to connect with people. So for me, you know, we got off the AT early in 15 because um, of a bunch of things that took us off. I got Lyme disease. Uh, I broke a tooth in half. I was going to have to have surgery on it. And uh, my wife's grandmother passed away. So Sorry we just got that. like these three hits and we had to get off the trail. Well, when we we kind of settled down, we well, we didn't settle down. We just kind of like randomly plopped ourselves into Albuquerque, New Mexico. And even though I was working at a bike shop and an outfitter around outdoorsy people, I would try to talk about like what I had just experienced over the last four months. And I'd get these blank stares from people because they had no clue what I was talking about because they couldn't relate. Right. And it's, you know, you, you do something for long enough and that's all, you know, that's all you talk about. So I felt this really hardcore disconnect and there's a thing called post-trail depression. A lot of hikers talk about it. Um, and, and you know, it's the same with like people that do bike packing and bike touring is you spend so long doing an adventure and kind of being in your own world, being on your own time. When you come back to normal life, it's really hard to connect with people. Um, cause you're just on a different, you know, a different playing field at that point. You're on a different brain wave, I guess. So <clears throat> the YouTube thing kind of sucked me in because I did it to talk about the trail. Cause I couldn't talk about it with the people every day. And my, my wife and I experienced it together. So it's not like, you know, talking to her about it, like she heard the same story like a million times. Okay. So like me being like, Hey, I, you know, I did this trail. Yeah, like yeah. she's like, yeah, I was there too, <laughs> asshole. Like I did it too. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, you know, I made the YouTube video just to get some stuff off my chest. And then all of a sudden I started getting comments from people that were interested and people that were like, Oh man, I went out and did a section hike at the AT and I know what you're talking about. And instantly there was this connection the thing that I kind of like, I was missing, the thing from the trail, connecting to people that were like-minded. And that's really where it sucked me into it. And like, I started doing it. And, and I have an addictive personality. So like, I really got into it, producing content and making videos and creating. But the thing I was also doing was I was like, sharpening my skills, of sharpening my knives. Because I knew that eventually, I'm a goal-oriented person. And like, to this point, and I've said this a lot lately, on like podcasts and, and other things is like, I know how to make a YouTube video. I know how to hold up a backpack and talk about it and like move my eyebrows around, move my hands around, be excited and, and get people energized and inspire people. And like, now that I know how to do that, I'm like, all right, I'm ready for the next challenge. So last year in 19, we launched outdoor evolution because I knew that I kind of wanted to get back into what I kind of started it all to begin with, which was, producing media and I've always loved I'm a storyteller I will sit here with you and bullshit for five hours straight and, and I'll, I'll just talk, and talk I'll about. listen because I, <laughs> I love that shit it's so fun it's so fun to yeah. share experiences right yeah and I'm just I'm a natural storyteller or as my dad would say I'm, I'm a bullshitter like I'm I'm king bullshitter I will sit here and bullshit all day long um, that's my skill I know how to bullshit so you know, I've always wanted to, as much as I love being in front of the camera and waving my arms around and talking, like my real passion is being behind the camera and telling a story um, with the lens, with the camera. And, and you know, as you were talking about, you know, 
editing that video and putting that voiceover in and doing those narrations and being a storyteller through a medium like like video um same way as i was with music i'm a musician too and you know when you write a song you're telling a story that's what you're doing so the back seat of the company was or i guess the back door of the company it sounds dirtier than i meant it um <laughs> is it is a media company i wanted to work on media for other people instead of me being in stuff and me creating stuff for me and telling my story i wanted to tell other people's stories so we started outdoor evolution media um and then it became an official you know llc and company and stuff uh, at the end of 2019 beginning of 2020 and uh, i worked on a film last year a documentary that i released um that isn't about me you know i'm in it for like a second but it's it's about other people so that was the first big project i did and then we started producing media for other companies so outdoor companies um, some local random companies whether that's web media uh, commercial media photos video so we're kind of an all-in-one media house so we have like you know i still do the darwin on the trail stuff and then i have my films that i'm working on because i'm in second production or I'm in production right now on my second documentary film that I started in October. Um, then we have the website and all of that media that we're creating. And then we're currently, I haven't really talked about this a lot, uh, working, I've actually started a podcast that will nice. launch at the beginning of the year. Yeah, yeah. Um, me and a co-host doing the Outdoor Evolution podcast. And then on top of that, we're also working on all these media projects for other people. <laughs> so I, I got my hands like dipped. As long as I'm like, as long as I'm busy and I'm creating something like that's kind of my whole goal is like, I, I realized I've said this maybe in a couple of times. So if anyone that's hearing this for a second time, sorry, it's redundant, but there was this turning point about a year, two years ago, I was, I was on the PCT, it was 2018 and I got thinking about it. And in my life, I, I'm, I'm a machinist and toolmaker by trade. Um, I have been a spinning instructor, a slot machine technician. I owned a restaurant. I owned a recording studio. <laughs> uh, I was a semi, semi-professional semi triathlete, which is just a fancy way of saying you got sponsors, but they don't pay for shit. Um, <laughs> uh, I've owned a house. I, I've done a lot of things, and I'm only 35. I've just done a lot of things because that's just how I was raised. Like, you know, you go to work as soon as you get out of school, and you, you get the, you know, house with the white picket fence, and you raise a family, and so I've done so much, but like nothing ever really stuck. And, you know, I didn't go to college. I'm not going to be a lawyer. I'm not going to go to school to be a doctor and, and you know, find the cure for cancer. I'm not going to land on the moon. I'm not going to run for president. That is not in me. That's not in my DNA. I don't have those abilities. So like, what can I do that changes the world a little bit? I can create stuff. I can create media. I can jump in front of a camera and wave my arms around and say, Hey guys, let's start one. And like people are entertained and I can, I can share information and I can tell a story with a camera. So to me, creating, no matter what it is, no matter what, like if it's the media company, if it's the website, if it's the films, if it's the YouTube videos, that's like, that's my purpose. Like I, I kind of stopped and I'm like, Oh, what am I here to do? Oh, I'm here to create stuff and like help inspire other people and tell stories and and maybe get other people to do the same thing I've done. So that's really been my goal. Um, 
and like I do a lot of shit and like I'm constantly busy with things as I was telling you like today I got like this massive list I've been going since 6 a.m and just non-stop and I'll be going till about 9 p.m tonight um but like that makes me so happy at the end of the day like when I can get home be like oh shit man I made this today and I did this and I made this like it it makes me feel good and it it also it makes me happy to know that like I'm doing my part. It's a big thing to me, like doing something to put into the world, you know, whether that's, you know, being an actor on a TV show or whether that's, you know, being a a police officer um, or whether that's just doing something to give back to the world, um, doing your part, I guess, to make the world a better place. So So much of what you just said resonates with me. Like you would not believe, because I feel like the same way I was, you know, retail guy, loved machine shop in school, but never, you know, was really good at that, but never really pursued that as a career. And then got into retail, snowboard instruction in Whistler. I lived in Whistler Blackcomb there. I've worked at Whistler Blackcomb for a while and, um, and then turned into a, a telephony guy, an IT guy, an IT manager, you know, and then went out to consult. And then I was so done with IT, picked up a contract. And then, uh, when I left IT to travel with my with my fiance, well, my girlfriend, fiance, what now wife, um, I vowed when I came back, I'm never going to do IT again because it just steals your soul. And then you know, years go by, and I've always liked liked to create, but never really had an outlet for it. And then uh, our good friend Ryan Corey died of Bike Pack Canada, and then I kind of just I almost felt like a calling, like I really wanted to do something to give back. Like just to, cause the community of, of, I mean, I'm in the bikepacking community, which you're also a bike packer, oh, yeah. but, but there's, there's really clear parallels between, uh, the hiking community through hikers and bike packers. Like oh, totally. I think we're all driven by the same fuel. Right. And, oh, yeah, uh, totally. then when I started podcasting with them, I feel the same way. It's like, not only do I get to create something and, you know, put audio together and, trying to have meaningful conversations with people then, and then snip that together and put it out. And, and the response has been fantastic. And, um, it's the same thing. It's, it's like, you know, at the place I work, I love all the people I work with. I'm a shipper receiver at a building supply place, but I mean, outside of work, there's no connection. You know what I mean? Right. Oh yeah. To the outdoors in that way. I mean, they're very outdoorsy people, fishing, hunting. It's just not, not my thing. I'm just more of a, a get out and do stuff like athletically in that way. And, um, yeah, I find connecting with people like you and then sharing that with a community of people of like-minded individuals. It just, it feels great. And it feels yeah, like man. you've actually accomplished something. Work is nothing. It's almost creativity is probably the one, one of the most important aspects of being a human being. Oh yeah. That's, I tell people that all the time. Like, you know, people are like, Oh, you know, I'm, I, I'm not artistic and I'm not like, I couldn't do that stuff. And like, no, I think that everybody, I think like human beings, like, greatest gift to each other is creation. Like, you know, the mics that we're talking into, somebody created that. Yeah, for sure. Somebody created that. The shirt you're wearing, someone created that. Like, so as human beings, like that's what we do. We create things to like give to other people to kind of improve their life and enhance their life. And I just think like, if you can find like what your thing is, um, like that's so special. And also to me, like it, it kind of, you know, it gives my life meaning. Like it makes me feel like, oh, I'm actually doing this for a reason. Not just because it's a thing that I like to do, which it is. Like it's a thing that I love to, and I personally get a lot out of it. 
but also just the thought of like somebody else can use this, like someone else can do something with this and maybe this will inspire someone else to in, you know, in return, do the exact same thing that I'm trying to do. Um, and that's pretty cool. That's a cool thought, right? Like just to be able for everyone, just kind of pay it forward and, and help each other along. And yeah, just to share, to share experiences. Yeah. Cause I, I mean, going back, I don't know, a handful of years, 2015, it's all such a blur. 2014 maybe I, I remember trying to find information on bikepacking online i was just kind of getting into it i was thinking about doing an event a buddy talked me into doing a the alberta rocky 700 he didn't really have to talk me into it, it sounded awesome yeah. and um then started just looking around trying to find information it was really hard only that many years ago but then yeah, I, fa- I found your channel and it was like well it's all it's all parallel I, i've been riding bikes for 30 years actually probably 40 years now, like I'm 50 years old. I've been always riding bikes. So in terms of gear, bike gear and maintenance, I've got that. I don't need that. What I need, what I needed was really good experienced information about, you know, water filtration, sleep systems, um, you know, were you, were you watching whenever I was putting out bike packing content at one time? I remember you did, was it the AZT you did on, and, and you had your, you have an ECR. Yeah. Yeah. So I was even like, an, oh, dude, I'm going to get, I'm going to get an ECR. That bike's rad. I never did. Right. You're like, you're like one of 10 people that watched any of those videos. <laughs> <laughs> but nobody cared about, I was like, at one time I was working at a bike shop and I just gotten off the AT. Uh, Cause we went back out there in 16 and like, we finished up the trail from whenever we had to get off and we got back to Albuquerque and I was just like, screw through, like screw hiking. I'm done with it. It's like <laughs> two years of my life working in a bike shop and I'm like bike packing, like that's what I'm going to get into. That's what I'm going to start. Nobody's making bike packing media right now. You know, I think bikepacking.com had just like had just started to surface. Like Cass Gilbert was starting to like, you know, he he had his his blog while out riding, um, but nobody was really making any bike packing content. So I'm like, I'm I'm going to get I'm going to be there before anybody else is there. I'm going to start making it. And like nobody gave a shit. <laughs> nobody watched any of that stuff. That's and so now, like, I constantly get people being like, "Hey, man, you should make some bike packing videos." And I'm like, "Where were you in 2016?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was your it was your channel. And then I think it might have been before Bike Pack Canada. Ryan Corey and um, Sarah Hornby they ran a tour company, and they were doing guided tours of of. Yeah. Um, the great divide mountain bike route. And so they were putting these little videos out like, okay, you're going to come to on our tour. Well, here's some basic things you're going to need, you know, type of socks, you know, sun sleeves, blah, blah, blah. So between that video and your video, uh, I made a lot of decisions on, on, um, stuff like the escapist, the Osprey escapist pack I bought because of you. I still have it. I, you know what? I don't bike pack with a backpack. I'm done. I did that for maybe yeah, a year. I'm I, not after into... I did that the last time, I I decided to stop. Yeah, <laughs> I, I hate. Can't stand it. Yeah, especially when when you're on a bike. <clears throat> but then uh, also the the Sawyer water filtration systems, that whole thing, and um, I bought the same uh, uh, pot and not the same stove, but got one of these Amazon knockoff stoves for like no money that work awesome actually. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, I got I got a lot of information from you. So thank you for that. Oh, nice. and, and I think you I think you helped a lot of people. And I would say, hey, have you seen this guy Darwin? You got to check out his YouTube channel. He has so much good information. So yeah, thanks for putting it out. And so you are helping people. You're helping a lot of people yeah, by thanks, putting man. that stuff Appreciate out. It. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. Like I 
I get that a lot or like I'll I'll be out like not to toot my own horn or anything or I'll be out and like someone will be like are you Darwin like I'll be out at a grocery store and someone would randomly and like I'm still it's funny I talk about this all the time after doing it for five six years it still throws me off guard because like as a creator like especially like over the last five years like I live in a bubble like in a total vacuum by myself like I go out and I'm on these trails by myself I'm filming by myself. I edit by myself. I put it up by myself. I'm responding by myself. And then like once it's on YouTube, like I never watch it again. Like I'm done, right? I'm on to the next thing. I'm on to the next project. So it's really bizarre to me still to this day after all this time when someone's like, are you Darwin? I'm like, oh shit, do I owe you five bucks? Like (laughs) it always throws me off every single time. I'm like, oh crap, they finally come for me. (laughs) It's all catching up. And they'll be like, hey, man, you remember when you made that video and you talked about that thing? And I'm like, not at no, all. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but let it, me tell you about what I'm doing now. Um, yeah, man, it's it's so wild. It's, it's, it's bizarre to kind of live in that vacuum. And over the last year, I've really tried to break out of that and bring other people into my world. Like I spent a lot of time in 2019, especially um, collaborating with other people. Um, and just kind of like, you know, getting out and playing with other people, playing with cameras, doing videos with other people, spending time because it's it's kind of a weird world. Like when you create in this little vacuum and no one's ever in your world. And then with Outdoor Evolution with the studio, like I have two guys that work for me that like I'm constantly interacting with now. And sometimes it's almost weird. Like sometimes even though like I own an office and a damn studio if they're here and I'm working on something like I'll walk down the block and go to the coffee shop <laughs> and work by myself with my headphones in and let them stay here. Just cause like, I don't know, I guess I'm used to, I get, I'm just used to that. Right. Like you're just used to creating like yep, that. You have but, to do you, you got to just keep doing yeah, you. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, it's definitely weird. It's all of this is weird. It's still to this day, like every day I wake up, like it doesn't make any sense to me how any of this happened how I'm doing any of this, how anyone knows who I am. Like, I just don't think about crap like that. It's very bizarre. <laughs> so, I mean, without getting into specifics, does the, does the content you put on YouTube and I, I, I don't have anything on YouTube, but does it, does it fuel funding for the other things that you're doing? Yeah. I mean, so, you know, I, I went basically, this is funny. Most people don't know this. I, the first two years that I was on YouTube, I just found out, I, I didn't even know what the dates were. I started a YouTube channel in July of 2015. So I had gotten off the AT in early July and I started the channel, I think July 25th. Only reason I know that is I was recently looking up some numbers. I needed some information for some research I was doing. And, um, I found that out. I didn't monetize my channel for two years, like until 2017. I never thought about putting an ad on my videos because again, that it just wasn't my goal. I'm like, oh, this is a fun hobby. Like, I'll make a goofy video and I'll talk about something. And then one day a, a friend is like, hey, like, how much do you make off YouTube? And I'm like, what do you mean make off YouTube? And they're like, like you monetize your videos, don't you? And I'm like, no, why would I do that? And they're like, you idiot. Like, <laughs> you're getting a lot of views. Like, you should probably make a couple pennies off that because somebody's making money off of it. Is that just something and, you have to turn on? Like, opt into? Yes. Oh, okay. Well, they changed it. Oh. So it used to be you could do it from the get go. You could just monetize your video. And, and like whenever you watch, whenever you're watching a YouTube video and an ad runs on the beginning, um, 
you know, every time someone sees one of those ads, you know, YouTube makes like, uh, I don't know, let's come up with a random number. YouTube makes $5, right? And then YouTube says, well, because we ran it on your video, like we're going to give you 50 cents of this $5 for every 2,000 people that see the ad. And then, you know, you have so many videos, so many ads that run, and it just like, it kind of builds up and it circulates. So like right. there's two years where I'm making videos, they're running ads on them. I'm not making a penny off of it. And all of a sudden I turn it on in 2017 and I made a video. I, my channel is really small. And I, I think like, I, I remember when it got to 2000 subscribers and I was like, holy shit. Like there are 2000 people that are watching my stuff. Like that's <laughs> mind blowing. I don't understand it, but cool. And, um, I was going to, Oh, what I was going to say was it used to be, you could turn it on anytime. Now you have to, you have to have so many views and so many subscribers. So once you hit like the 2000, I think it's 2000 subscribers and then you have so many hours of watch time, then you can monetize. But back in the day, you could just, you could do it right. I could have done it from day one. I just never did it. Um, so I'm going to go out and hike this section of the CDT and, I, I kind of commit to making a video every Thursday. I was like, I want to put some, I want to make something every Thursday, no matter what it is. I want to put out a video. And that week I had nothing to make. I had nothing to talk about. I was all out of gear. I'm like, shit, what am I going to do? And I'm going to go out and hike this section of the CDT. And my wife's like, Hey, just go out to the trail and turn the camera on and just start talking. And I'm like, talking about what? She's like, I don't know. You like to talk. Just talk. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure, blah, I'm sure blah, you'll blah. get a video out of it. <laughs> Please yeah. go. Go talk out in the woods by yourself. Right. <laughs> so I made a video, and the video that it ended up being was called How the AT Ruined My Life. I made this video, and it was just me just kind of like just vomiting information of just like, I feel like the AT ruined my life because, you know, and it was tongue in cheek. I was like, it ruined my life because now I look at things differently. I have different goals. I can't connect to people like I used to. This is all I think about. I'm addicted. It was kind of just I'm making a joke is what I was doing. I make that video, edit it all together real quick. In those days, like I edited videos really quick because I didn't take any time on them. Um, made a little quick thumbnail that I didn't think was clickbaity. It's just a picture of Katahdin that I took and I put a big AT symbol and it says like how the AT ruined my life. Real simple. Upload it to YouTube, schedule it for Thursday, go out to do a section hike at the CDT. I'm out there for like seven, eight days, no signal. Video comes out on a Thursday. I think it was Monday. My wife was going to drive out to the Gila Wilderness to pick me up at this very famous place. You probably heard of it too. Doc Campbell's. Do you know what Doc Campbell's is? No, dude. Sorry, I don't. I think that, well, the reason I say that is I think that the, um, I'm pretty sure that the Ride the Divide route comes through there too. It's it's a real famous place to resupply. It's in the Gila Wilderness. And it's just like this crappy little general store. The guy who owns it is known for being this old sour asshole named ah. Doc um, that just hates hikers and hates cyclists that come in there. Um, so she's going to come pick me up from Doc Campbell's. And uh, I finally get service. And she calls me to make sure that I'm there for her to pick me up. She's driving out there. And I'm like, yeah, I'm here. And she's like, hey, have you checked your YouTube channel? And I'm like, no. And she's like, you know that video that you put out on Thursday? I'm like, yeah. She's like, it's really blown up. And I was like, oh, like, 
like it's it's got like a couple of views on it. She's like, no, I think you should check it. And like I go on, and like I mean it it blew up like it it just exploded, and like views and and subscribers went up hardcore. And I get back and I'm like, holy shit! And then like every time I was just like, uh, I'll put out another video where I'm just randomly talking about something, because before it was just like me talking about like this is my water bottle and I like this water bottle and I'm real reserved and shit. And I'm not me. I'm just like, yeah, yeah it's hard to be yourself. White. Yeah. Right. White. Yeah. And, um, so I just started making more of those videos. And then like the more I made those videos, the more people interacted and the more people cared and the more it went up and it went up and it went up. And it got to this point in 2017, it was like, I went out to PCT days in 2017 to see a buddy this is before I was going to hike. I was going to hike in 18, so I went out in 17 just to be out there and be a part of the crowd. Everybody knew who I was, and, like, the channel was blowing up, and I'm just like, I think that this is a really, by the way, this is a really long way to get to my answer to your question. No, that's great. I don't even remember the question. I just love listening to you talk. (laughs) You ask, see, I remember it. (laughs) That's how my brain works. You ask, is it enough to supplement what I do? Right, right. (laughs) So, um, I started looking at things and looking at numbers and I'm like, I'm pretty sure with like as simple as a life as I live, cause we were used to living in a van for, at a point while we were in Albuquerque, we had a little bitty dinky apartment. We paid like 550 bucks a month, crazy cheap. Um, Albuquerque kind of a sketchy city, but you can live there very, very cheap. Oh, yeah. uh, it's a good place to live if you're trying to be a, a little nomadic and stuff. Um, and I just kind of started looking at numbers and I'm like, I'm pretty sure that I'm bringing in enough, like at the time, you know, it was a, what do they call it? Um, supplemental income. I'm bringing in enough supplemental income where I think that we could just take off and, and start traveling full time and I'll just keep making videos and talking. So we did, we took off August 2017th and like we were making enough money on that and like affiliate links because Whenever you do any of that stuff, uh, so you can set up basically any company in the world at this point has what's called an affiliate link. Did you use those? You know what I'm talking about? I do. I, I haven't had a lot of time to research that. I, I did set up a, an Amazon affiliate, um, but I never got in to to set it up. Essentially, I always tell people it, it kind of works like this. A company realizes if you are talking about something, whether you're being asked to or not, your advertisement, right? So if you're making media and you're like, look at this water bottle and like I put a link and I'm like, I want you all to check out this water bottle too. And you put a link down below and someone goes and buys it. Amazon's like, well, you know what? You sent them here. They're going to buy it. We're going to make money of it. We'll give you 10%. So it's basically like uh, working at like a car dealership and you sell a car and they give you like a commission, right? It's kind of the same thing as how it works out. So if you're a person that makes YouTube videos where you're talking about random crap that you bought and that you use anyways, like might as well make a couple bucks, right? So between the YouTube advertising fees and the Amazon affiliate links, we were bringing in enough income to just kind of like go off and travel. And slowly, you know, it, it builds and it builds and it gets more and more and more. And then it got to the point to where like, yeah, that was making you know, more than enough money from the simple life that I live. Like I'm, I, I live pretty minimal. Um, well have until I started a business. <laughs> Got a studio. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a little different now, 
Um, and then, yeah, that allowed me to kind of like take care of my thing. Cause I have no bills. I don't, you know, I, I don't take, I, I'm not, don't do credit. If like I'm, I buy things with cash. Like that's how I work. Like I own my van. I own everything that I have. I, I have no, um, no debt. That's amazing. I like to live. I think not it's many hard. people live like that. <laughs> it's really yeah. Hard. <laughs> I'm sure it would be really hard. Like, Oh, I yeah, want that thing. Like person for a really long time. Yeah. <laughs> and just save a lot of money right like i save a lot so then yeah i was like well i have more than enough than what i need to like live and eat and do what i do so that i started taking that other money that i saved i'm like well i'm going to invest that in this other thing which is what in turn started out to revolution and then we started doing media jobs that now fund that so it's just kind of like this big ecosystem of like creating media and everything funds everything and i don't know man it's nuts <laughs> it's interesting too it just seems really like um i have i'd love to monetize the podcast a little bit and and i i do people actually chip in and it's awesome because it um it's not just about the money it's just about people finding value in it you know like yeah yeah you know absolutely. you're putting information out and whether it be you know, um, that's not, not even information, just meaningful conversation. Like, I think that's maybe what that video you posted. That's probably how it resonated with people. It was like, it was you, you were more yourself. You were sharing, right. you know, how, um, how a trip like that can affect you after the fact. And totally. so now let's just quickly tangent pivot on that. Cause we, I brought it up, but yeah. So that's 18. And it was that after that you experienced a, a level of depression. Um, well it was, I mean, the depression really comes from like when you get off the trail and like, I used to go through it on like every time I went out and did a trip until like, I basically, like this sounds like, uh, God, I hope this doesn't come off cocky because it probably does. But like at this point, like that's just my life all the time now. Like I have somehow figured out a way and I still like, I'm telling you, I don't understand it. I, it. If anyone else doesn't understand, they're like, I don't understand how you do what you do. I don't understand how I do what I do. But like now, because I live, I've kind of created this weird world where like I'm always living on quote unquote trail. Like I'm always getting to go do adventures and play with cameras and talk to people on YouTube videos or podcast or some, I'm breathing. Uh, one of my favorite creators ever is uh, Kevin Smith. And I, I'm very, I, I love Kev. Um, he's got a lot of podcasts and, and is a massive creator aside from like, you know, his silly movies and stuff. He does a lot. And he always talks about breathing rarefied air. Like sometimes I don't understand like how I found myself in a situation that I never intended to be in. Like I never, it just kind of happened and I went with it. Um, but you know, now it doesn't affect me as much, but then whenever you do that thing for the first time and you get off the trail, a lot of hikers experience that it's, it, and that's what we always call it. It's, it's, it's like a form of depression and it's because you can't, you can't connect with anybody. Like you can't, you did something for four months every day. You weren't on like the world's time. Like it didn't matter what time it was. You, you didn't have to worry about a job and have to worry about, about paying your bills, uh, little things at home. You know what? You just kind of stop, stop you there. It's, it's, it doesn't feel right to come back. It feels more, yeah. it feels more right to be yeah. living in your own little bubble where it's just food, water, shelter, and the community of people around you. Yeah. But then when you go home, 
there's all this extra accountability that well, yeah, that we've we haven't really we've evolved very quickly into this I think lifestyle it's because when you get out there you kind of strip away all of this shit that's not really that important like it you know social status and and keeping up with the joneses and you know trying to climb to the top of the corporate ladder it doesn't mean shit when you're on trial you can be like a 16 year old or 18 year old kid straight out of high school or you can be like a retired you know doctor that's out there and like those two people one who's accomplished all this stuff in their life and one who's like wet behind the ears in the regular world you put them out on the trail or out on a bike trip or something like that and they're on the same level. It doesn't matter their experience in life and what they have and what they've done. In that moment, whenever it's like cold and it's raining and they're tired as hell and they're like still five miles away from the next shelter, like they're the same person and they're dealing with the same crap and nothing else matters. So when you experience that for months on end and then like you're thrown back into the thing where everybody's worried about stuff that doesn't really amount to anything – um, you know, according to how you've lived for the last four months, it's really hard to find connection with people and you feel really, really lonely, which is why so many long distance hikers, um, or, uh, long distance cyclists, bike packers, bike tours, it, it becomes an addiction and like you, you continually do it and you can't leave it. And like, it's, I call them like in the hiking world, it's a serial through hiker, Someone that will literally go from trail to trail to trail to trail to trail and kind of never come back to the quote unquote real world because they can't, they have no desire to, they're like, well, this is my life now. This is what I do. And, you know, I'll stop for a couple months and work some crappy job and make a couple bucks so I can keep going. And like, you're totally okay with that. and You're totally fine with that. Um, so yeah, so I hardcore went through that and it took, it took me creating and right. it took YouTube and it took all of that to figure out that I could find those connections in other places. Um, because without all of that, like I, if I would have never started doing the YouTube videos and stuff, um, I would have done one of two things. I would have went back to my regular nine to five. Um, not that I didn't have a regular nine to five, but regular just humdrum. This is my life now. This is what I do. And I probably would have been further depressed um, just because, I mean, that's why whenever we left for the AT in 15, I was very bored with life. Like I grew up way too fast. I, you know, it before, right when we went out to hike the AT, I had a career. I had owned two businesses and like had a house and was married. And like, I was only 20 something. Like I wouldn't even out of my twenties and like, I'd already done all this stuff and I was just bored out of my mind because I was like I haven't seen or done anything or the other thing that would have happened is I would have like been like a lot of my friends and I would have just basically been a homeless person and just kept through hiking and kept <laughs> adventuring and kept doing the thing and, and being totally okay with that and I mean technically I did that for a couple of years I we left it all behind again to like make very small income off of making videos and stuff to go live out of a van and drive around and, and travel around the country for two years, living in a van and hopping from trail to trail to trail and, and doing all these adventures and, you know, making YouTube videos in people's backyards and editing them out of a coffee shop and somehow 
building a business during all of that, which still blows yeah. my mind. Do you think do you think there's other strategies if if people can't find their creative outlet? What what do you think another good way to be for, for you know, people to I always get tell people the best thing that they can do when they're on a trail, like on we gotta stop saying trail. Um, on an adventure. When I say trail, like I mean like universe. Like I always say like, you know, the trail provides or listen to the trail. Like I'm always talking about all of it. You oh know, yeah, I know I get I get what you're putting down. Or yeah, road sure. or yeah. Yeah. But you know, it's a bike packing podcast, right? We're oh no, no, dude. It's it's, it's it. about being outside. <laughs> no, you're totally yeah, it'll gel, don't worry, it's fine. Um, but I think the most important thing you can do is to create something, is to stay connected. So I always tell people like my best two pieces of advice, if you're gonna go do your first through hike, um, especially, is when you go out, create something while you're out there. Whether that is uh, keeping a journal every day that you're out there, uh, taking a picture every day of either yourself or the people that you're around, shoot some video, even if it's not to start a YouTube channel, like just to have it. Because number one, I can tell you when you get off trail and you're going through that disconnect, like you want to look back at that stuff. You want to look at photos. You want to read journals. Uh, my biggest regret ever was the AT in 2015. You know, I didn't plan on doing any of this, so I didn't film any of it. I took some crappy, horrible photos on my cell phone. Um, but that's all I have from that. Like, I, that's all I have, just my memories and like some crappy photos. And luckily my wife journaled. Um, but like, I wish so bad that I would have shot video and I wish that every photo that I would have shot wasn't of mountains and it wasn't of the trail, that it was of people. It was of all the people that I met and all those connections that I made. I wish so bad that I would have done that. Um, so much so that five years later this year, I went back out to the AT, started on the exact same day I started in 15. I was going to rehike the first 900 miles just so I could relive that experience and film it all. I didn't have that but so that's number one is create something while you're out there um, and two is when you get off of that trail or you come back from that journey whether it's backpacking Europe or bikepacking in Canada or through hiking the PCT is to stay connected to the community that you were just a part of so you know whether that is volunteering for a trail association to get out there and work on the thing that you you know you spent your life on for four to six months or that is starting a podcast or starting a YouTube channel or writing about it and sharing it in a blog, like stay connected to that community. Um, cause at least for me, it's like, it's such a special thing. Like that, that's why I've done all of this. Like is I love the community. It made me kind of restore my faith in humanity. Like, yeah. Up to, to, yeah. Yeah, man. I was a total curmudgeon, hated everybody. Because I had the same thought that a lot of people have, which is like, oh, I'm going to go out and hike the AT and be in the wilderness by myself and leave society behind, which is total horseshit. Like, it's when you're out on an adventure like that, you meet and connect with more people than I feel like you do in regular everyday life. <laughs> so yeah, I would agree with that for sure. Yeah. And so, I think I think uh, something to add to that, too, is don't just don't just uh, record or journal or take videos and photos of all the good shit take a take bads. take a photo of the bad shit like do That's a selfie bad. of you sopping wet or it's sleeting on you and oh, make a video because because i find when you go back and and you look at it and you actually laugh at it you're like yeah oh, you true. smile and you go oh that sucked i remember that sucked so oh, bad yeah. and it'll bring it'll actually bring back a really really positive it'll it'll almost change color 
if you look at it afterwards. I have this really amazing, not to go off on like a side story, but from the AT and 15, uh, the day we crossed into North Carolina. So we crossed our first state line, right? Georgia, North Carolina. Um, as soon as we crossed the state line, it's kind of known for it. Like a lot of people go through this, like the weather turned and it like got super cold and it hardcore rain. And we still had like eight miles to go to the next shelter. And it ended up, um, and we still call it today. Like I have friends that I hiked the AT within 15 of them. I still talk to, and we call it the awful day. It's always been known as the awful day. Like I literally, it was the day that I was like, I, I'm done with this. Like, this is horrible. And you know, I'm only like, I'm not even a week into the trail. And I'm like, this is it. I don't ever want to do this again. Because like, I, I felt like I was going to get hypothermia. Like it was scary. Like it was a scary day. And I, I went through the shit that day. Right. And I get to this shelter. It's called Muskrat Shelter. It's kind of the first, I think it's the first shelter in North Carolina. And um, show up to the shelter. And all I want to do is get to this shelter, get inside of it so I can dry out. Because I don't want to set my tent up. All of my gear is totally soaking wet. And I get to the shelter and it's packed assholes to elbows. Mm-hmm. Like every, like people packed in there like sardines trying to get out of the weather. And I just stood there shocked. It was like totally like my brain was numb. And I remember having this feeling like I'm going to die. <laughs> like, <laughs> if I could set my tent up in my wet sleeping bag and my wife was the same. And, um, that next morning when I got up, I remember getting up and it was beautiful outside. Sun was shining. And that was the day that I decided like, Oh, I got this. Like I'm good. Like I just went through the worst of it. I'm good from here on out. And it just kind of gave me this new, I don't know, this new found like, experience i i don't know how to explain it like i just i felt like i that i was in it and i knew what i was going to do and that this is something i really like even with the awfulness it's something that i was getting a lot out of and i felt alive and you know i didn't have any photos from that day i didn't have any video from that day um so this year when i went back out there and this kind of turns back to your point um I got to the North Carolina line and I crossed in North Carolina and I got to that spot where there's this tree, this very famous tree that sits there at this little trail junction and the weather turned, it got real crappy and it got cold again. It's five years later. It's like five years of the day. Was that like the same timing as well? Or, you know, did it all just kind of happen the same timing? Yeah. It was like, I mean, it was March. It was March. I went out and started this, year the same day that i started in 15. so even though like i was maybe a week into the trail i was only like a couple of days because obviously i hike much faster now and bigger miles but i got to that shelter and like as soon as i saw the shelter i cried like it just it totally like brought all this emotion to me and i sat in that shelter there's nobody there i sat in that shelter and just sat there and just like took it all in and could see myself walking up to that shelter. I could see my friends like all like huddled into the corner and shit, like freezing. And this uh this hiker that was new was in the privy and I didn't know anybody else was there. And I'm sitting there and I'm just like, I got this big smile on my face, like happy crying smile. And she comes out, she seems super, super depressed and super sad. And um she's sitting there. Go for it. No, you're good. I can't hear you. Don't keep watching the show. Oh. Yeah. Yeah.
<laughs> That's good logic. <laughs> All right, I can't turn the TV off. Dude, sorry, you know what? God damn it. You're such a good storyteller. <laughs> no, man, you're good. You're good. You're and again, you're I probably, I, I'm, what's that? <laughs> I'm really good at bookmarking things. So. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, and it was right into an emotional deep part too. It's, um, good, you're good. yeah, I get it with the, uh, the emotion for sure. So, um, yeah, you could see all your friends and the struggle and Tyco comes out and she's got, she's walking back up to the shelter and she's got this terrible look on her face, horrible look. And like, she kind of looks up at me and, you know, like I'm excited to see somebody. I'm like, Hey, and she looks up and she's like, Hey, as she comes down, sits next to me and pulls her pack out. She's putting her stuff up. And I just start talking to her. I'm like, hey, how's it going? Is this your first through hike? And like whenever I see I can read new hikers. Mm. I mean, it's been long enough out. I mean, I'm sure you know. Same with like adventuring by bike. Like you can tell a newbie from somebody that's like grizzled, that's like that knows what they're doing, right? So I'm like, how's your hike going? And she just starts telling me she's German. And she's telling me how she was so excited to come out and do it. And and she didn't you know, she, she thought that she was going to make all these friends and see all these people and hike with other people. And she felt really alone. Like she's by herself for all these days. And like, I sit there and I don't know why, but I just like, I told this entire story of that damn shelter of that day and talked about how that next day, I felt like I could do anything. Um, and just like, it, by the time she left, she had this big smile on her face and we were having a good time and bullshitting together. And it was just, you know, like what what you said was, yeah, take pictures of those bad days because like later on, like at the time, you know, even though that next day that I got up and I'm like, this is the worst day of my, like, that was the worst day of my life. I don't ever want to think about that shit again. Like five years later, after all that experience and coming back there and having that huge emotional rush and like, you know, feeling so happy that I had that memory in my head. Um, and, oh my God, if I would have had video of that day or a photo of that day, seeing all those hikers in there, just slammed in there like sardines. Um, and then for me to be able to take that experience and share that with her and for it to brighten her day and her to think that that story was funny, like me being in misery and hiking <laughs> into the rain and being like numb when I got there, her thinking that was funny and putting a smile on her face, like. It was just like, oh, like this is what it's all about. Like it's about having those experiences and then sharing them with other people, whether they're good or bad, and then someone else being inspired off of that. Yeah. To go do something great or to say something great or just I just I don't know. That I I get really spiritual sometimes and like deep with stuff like that. And I leave that out of YouTube videos because people tend to not care. But like that's a big thing for me. Like I, I very much look at all of it, like this big spiritual connection that we're all kind of a part of. Um, and yeah, if, if we can create and, and share those things with other people, like I just think it makes the world a totally better place in the end. Yeah. And it can sound super woo woo for sure. But, um, through a lot of books I've been reading and, and even some of the research I've done on, on, I've talked about psychedelics before and mm. the common ground with, with, I think with, with people going out on the trail and having these experiences and struggles, as I've said it on here before is ego dissolution. It's like mm. your ego dissolves and totally. then only, only till that happens, 
do you realize, oh, hey, we're all kind of connected. We're all kind of the same. And we all share, Absolutely. you know, again, woo-woo, but we're all just energy, and we all come from star ejaculate. We're, we're all made of the same yeah. parts and pieces. <laughs> we're, we're, we've been breathing the same air that people have been breathing for tens and thousands of years, and, and, yeah, and we're, 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 we're drinking water that has passed through dinosaurs and... You know, like we're just, it we we're we're nothing but a part of a big ecosystem. You oh, know? absolutely, absolutely. And uh, I think sometimes, yeah, I mean, you get out there and and yeah, you have a really shitty time, but it just grounds you. I find it can really ground you and and uh, yeah, make those connections with with those people even even tighter. Yeah, man, I need it. Like, I I gotta have it to ground because even now, like. You know, I, I've kind of I've merged those two worlds again to where, again, like it, it's really weird for me to like be saying like I'm in my office like that is weird as shit to me because a year ago like my office was a coffee shop, <laughs> um, but you know it's I need to still do it all the time like uh, tomorrow we got to shoot um, we're doing a media job uh, for a trail association actually and we're gonna go out and shoot some videos and like I'm just jacked to be able to like get out on the trail. Like I get to go get out on the Arizona trail and spend some time on it and just shoot on the trail all day and like hike out to shoot and hike a bunch of heavy camera equipment and stuff out. And I need to constantly still be out there and grounding myself and, and kind of clearing my head because I think that the nine to five and the hustle and bustle and things at home. And especially this year, man, with like with COVID and you know, our election and shit like that. Holy shit. Like, everything <laughs> like this year has just been the nuttiest year in the world um being able like i think that it's easy to get wrapped up in that stuff and it's easy to like feed into media and stuff that not that and i hope nobody takes this the wrong way not that it's not important because things like that are important right like election stuff that is important a pandemic is obviously important but i'm also very like i'm a person that is is very much in tune with things in my kind of my immediate life like i don't if it's not like directly affecting mm -hmm. me in, i'm a very in the moment type of person and if it's not affecting me in the moment i kind of just i don't i don't care like i just don't care about it i don't have time to care about it and i think that it's easy to kind of get wrapped up in these things that don't really affect you in your immediate life i mean they do to a point but like are they are they at that point at that space and time are they making you happy like, are they, are they improving your life? Are they, are they making your life worse? Because to me, like if, if it's, if it's hindering your life and your happiness at that moment, like it's not worth caring about. So I think getting out and getting grounded and like realizing like what's really important in the moment is like, it's so essential. And I think as human beings, like we need that. And that's why so many people are addicted to getting out and hiking or riding a bike or because like that's a part of us we need to do that we need to get out and just like not care about anything and like find our primal self again and yeah. be like oh, i'm dirty and i'm hungry and i got a bag on my back and like i don't give a shit like i think that that humans need that constantly yeah. no i agree and you know what um i mean you mentioned a bit ago just trying to keep it more bike packing centric and i was like no no, no it's fine and you know yeah. wa watching your videos and there's another dude doing youtube videos and i can't remember his name young guy but he just basically uh, go GoPros is through hikes and yeah. they're like, they're maybe 10, 15, 20 minutes long. And, and, and he yeah. just puts them together. They're 
they're beautiful, just like your videos are. They're just this really cool, um, um, just the freedom of of hiking yeah. and through hiking. Like I was talking to a dude the other day. It's like, man, I was thinking maybe I should start running a little bit. Maybe just a little bit of running would help me physically. And he goes, Steve, you know what? The thing about running is all you need is a pair of shoes and maybe a little bottle of, of, of water. Yeah. That's all you need if oh. you need that. If you're going to go run for an hour, you don't need to bring anything. You know, oh, you don't yeah. need anything. But then when I see your videos and you're and the way you pack, which is so brilliant, it's so beautiful because it's so minimalist, <laughs> right? It's awesome. I love it. And you've got everything you need in this. I don't know. how is it like a 30 liter bag you're carrying? Not even 20, uh, 35, 35 liters. Okay. And, um, and you're, you're just, you know, hop skipping down the trail and no worries. And it's just, it amazes me that uh, you can pack so light. So, you know, people, people are very, um, people are always, I, I get attacked by that all the time because there are some hikers and people out there like that. Like, it's not about weight for me. People are like, oh, you're so ultra light. Bro. Oh, no. Like, would you like shave the handle off your toothbrush and shit? <laughs> like, it's not about being ultra light. Like for me, it's about the simplicity of it. Like it's, I meant that I want, more. Yeah. And, and because like, if you watch, especially over the last like year, like I carry a big camera with like big lenses because like my passion, the thing that I really love to do, I love getting out there. And like, there's a, like, that's the number one reason I'm out there is to be out there. But like, I love, you know, filming stuff. I love telling a story. I love shooting photos. So like, I'm worried about that big thing. If, if I can like make the gear that I'm carrying more simple, so it's not going to break on me, it's less crap I got to deal with. Um, even if that comes down to like, cold soaking couscous every night and like just sleeping on the ground without a sleeping pad. I'll do that. So like I can spend more time focusing on the reason I'm out there, which is to be out there with myself and to create something. Yeah, no, I get it. Not, not ultra light, but, um, minimalist. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you know, the last I went on before I did a, a race this summer, I went on this trip and it was kind of a shakedown for a race. And I didn't bring much shit at all. Like I, I brought very little stuff. And and I had the same experience that you had with that hypothermic feeling. Like holy shit, this is bad. Yeah, you yeah. know, like I didn't bring enough, and I had to I had to use my um my emergency bivy, that SOL bivy. So I pulled on the the plastic bag basically, right? And then I I was like, oh, that's so warm. And I fell asleep. I woke up maybe forty five minutes later, uncontrollably shivering. I was just like. I could not control it. And I reached down in between because I had the uh, the uh, the uh, SOL escape bivy and then the emergency bivy over top. I reached yeah. down in between them and it was just like wet, like obviously, right? Because it's a bag, right? Uh, the the yeah, emergency yeah. bivy is just a plastic bag. The other one breathes really well. Yeah. So literally get it off, turn it inside out, shake it out, turn it right side in, go back into it, sleep another hour, wake up shivering cold, get out, shake it out, put it back on. Like I had to get up every hour. <laughs> And because uh, I tend when I race, I don't bring a quilt, so yeah. I, ju- I just sleep in, you know, puffy and merino, and climb into that bivy, and it's usually enough, like more than totally. enough in the summer, especially. But um, for this trip, we were we were camping a little higher up, and it was pretty nice. damp, and it rained, and I just just uh, huddled under our tar- my tarp, and um, yeah, but I really still like the minimalist thing because when you're traveling, you're just yeah. so light and nimble and uh, you have everything totally. you need which is a, a lot of times more than what you need even a minimalist yeah. a minimalist setup sometimes you're like i didn't even use this thing you know it's crazy to me it's like you know hiking and camping gear and like cycling gear is like there's a lot of cool tech and there's a lot of fun stuff but 
and like I'm appreciative of all of it because like it it can enhance your hike, but to a point, like I think that sometimes it can take away from it. Like whenever you have too much stuff to worry about and like things that can break and things you got to set up and things you got to tear down and like all of that, it, to me, like it kind of takes away from the reason I went out there in the first place was like to get away from like all the crap that I have, like sitting at home or all the people that I have that are constantly bothering me and like things that I'm worrying about that aren't really that important. I'm just trying to be out there and, and, and trying to clear my head and stuff. So if I have a more of a simple kit and stuff that I don't have to really worry about, that allows me to like have more time to clear my head and to, to kind of, you know, not worry about stuff. That's my big thing. Like it's really, it comes down to, I just don't want to, I just don't want to screw with stuff. I hate, I hate having to fix things and I hate having to like keep track of things because I do that enough in my regular everyday life. So yeah, when I get out there, man, it's super, super simple kit as simple as possible. Even if that means like every night, like I said, I got to eat something that I hate to eat. Like there's a big joke that people like that I've had for a while ever since I did the PCT in 2018. Like I started a hashtag. I think someone else started it and then I started using it. It's like, hashtag body by couscous because i literally cold soaked couscous every single night on the pct every single night and not because i like it like it's terrible it tastes like shit yeah it tastes like I dust it. yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's because i didn't want to screw with actually cooking food so i didn't want it because i'm just that lazy like at the end of the day after a big long day of hiking i just want to like throw my tent out shovel some food in my mouth and like pass out and go to bed so i can do the thing I came out there to do. A lot of people don't understand that. A lot of people are like, why don't you stop and smell the roses? I'm like, cause I didn't come out of here to smell the roses. Like I can jump in my van with a bunch of like nice camping equipment and go like, you know, stay in a national park for three days and smell the roses. Like I came out here to challenge myself mm. and to clear my head and to hike. Like I came here to hike. Yeah. So that's why I hike, you know, 20 to 30 miles every day. I don't do just eight miles and then sit at camp for five hours. I didn't come out there to sit at camp for five hours. I came out there to hike. That's the thing with so. bikepacking too. It's like sun up to sundown. You know, it's funny because, because I have a family, most of the time, the only time I can get out is when there's an event or a race. And I right. know I can get out for two to five days. Right. So when yeah. I went on, you know, a casual trip um, this summer, it was weird because it's like we still did big days, but yeah. they, they weren't 200 to, you know, 250K days. They were like 100K or 100, right. 150K. That's yeah, a yeah. that's a big, quote unquote, casual day. And most yeah, of the time yeah. we were just hoofing up mountains, right? We were just pushing. But right. I totally I'm the same way with the stove. I, I don't I rarely bring a stove. Right. Unless I know it's going to be like a 30K day and then a camp, you know, super deluxe totally. kind of thing. Because that well, could fit a lot of food in that volume, right? Yeah. And then you have to clean it up. You have to use all this water to clean it and blah, blah, I've blah. Sort of, I've sort of like laxed over the last like year. I, I kind of brought my stove back and I started using my stove again. Um, but still like very simple meals. Like I don't, I'm not a person that like gets all into it and cooks all this crap. And like I started actually... And I would be ashamed of myself two years ago, but I started like eating like the prepackaged meals. Like I used to talk tons of shit about them that like they were too expensive, but I started finding, I like, I don't eat mountain house and crap like that, but I'll find, um, there's a company that's based out of Georgia called evergreen adventure foods. 
and all their stuff is like it's a couple that makes all the food in a kitchen it's all like whole food it's all organic um really well made food and they dehydrate all themselves and plus they put it in like um compostable packaging Mm. so everything is just like in one package super easy fast to eat and i've been eating a lot of that lately just because I don't want to clean out a pot. I don't want to like put all those ingredients into something, burn the bottom, I have to scrub the crap out. Like, eh, it's terrible. Like, I just won't do it. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. And I, no, I've I've said this to a couple people. I think I've I've developed an unhealthy relationship with food because <laughs> I could easily just sit at camp and and usually I just bring dried meats, hard cheese, nuts, oh, maybe yeah. a bit of candy, and I'm good. If I brought a stove, oh, the only reason I bring a stove is to maybe make coffee. But my I, big thing. I would just take an, a caffeinated noon tab in the morning, <laughs> get my right. caffeine hit. It's like, oh, I'm good. Let's go. <laughs> my my big thing on 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 the bike, uh, I just I got back from a uh, like a th- four day bike packing trip um, this past week, and my favorite thing now on the bike and even like hiking is you know when you're on a bike you can basically if you've kind of set your route right you can kind of stop in a place every day. Pretty like much. My thing is yeah. finding a grocery store that has like fried chicken or chicken tenders and then just like i will literally pack out like 15 chicken tenders and eat (laughs) nothing but that like as a snack as dinner (laughs) breakfast i did that on this last trip it was like carbs protein salt it's perfect you get everything and it's like it's good it's greasy and it's good you don't have to screw with it you know (laughs) now we're on that subject actually that's um, you did a video um i guess a few months ago now and it was about handling food Mm. on the trail and uh, I went on a trip and um, you know I I was in the habit of hanging my food and uh, I was going through the effort of of trying to find a hang and and then I noticed the other guys really weren't doing anything and it's like what do you guys do with food and it's like man we don't do anything it's like honestly we uh, we just leave it on the bike for the most part and then one guy said and this 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 dude Mark Hillary and he's on uh, Instagram, uh, Murder Mark. He just went on a crazy trip across BC, just mapped his own route, bikepacking trip nice. across from from basically border to coast, I think. And um, dude, he doesn't he doesn't hang his food, you know. And and he, I guess the reason I'm telling you that is like he's super experienced. He's been out there a lot, and and he said he just I don't find it really that big of a deal. And if it does feel like it's a big deal, he said I'll keep it near my tent. It's it's kind of a macabre thing to talk about. Like a lot yeah. of people won't talk about it because like, you know, obviously, and before I go into anything, the number one thing is leave no trace. I mean, yeah. it's Oh, yeah. Leave no like, trace. I, Always. It's so important. And if I think that if you're you're in like hardcore bear country and you know that there's a problem there, I think that you should 100% hang your food. You should do something because it's not necessarily for you losing your food. It's more for the bear oh, absolutely. eating human food and then getting addicted to it. And yeah. then they got to put the bear down and like that shit is not cool. So no. that's number one. And, and where it's legally required too, like in a park totally. or something. I totally, I'm totally Every, down with that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I hate bear cans. I hate them. Absolutely hate them. Despise bear cans. But if I'm in a place that says I got to carry one, I will 100% carry one. I own two of them as much as I hate them. I own two different size bear cans. Um, but yeah, I mean, over the years, I've kind of done the same thing, man. I spend a lot of time, you know, either bikepacking or hiking in the Southwest uh, in very deserty, arid environments where there's not a lot of like critters and stuff. 
Um, and in my experience, um, no one take this advice, please. God, don't take this advice. That's not what I'm trying to do here. Um, I, I've never had an interaction with a bear, like out of hiking over 8,000 miles now and riding, I don't know how many miles I've rode. I've never, ever had that experience. And I've only one time ever had a ground bear or a, you know, a squirrel or whatever you want to call it. It, there's a big joke calling them ground bears. Ground bears. <laughs> mini, mini bears, yeah. Um, you know, a squirrel or a chipmunk or something like that. I've only had one time ever a rodent get into my food bag, and it was hung up in a damn tree, properly <laughs> properly hung, and a little chipmunk, like, crawled out on the line, dropped down on my bag, and ate a hole in my bag. <laughs> um, so, yeah, a lot of times, like, I just take my food bag and I set it right outside of my tent. So, like, right outside of my door in front of my, cause I use a trekking pole tent or if I'm on the bike, I use a single pole. Um, you know, it's a non freestanding tent. Um, I just set it right outside and like, I've had a couple times where in the middle of the night I've heard like a mouse, like kind of starting to rummage or something. And I'll just get up and like smack the side of my tent wall and it'll run away. But I know some people that like sleep with their food inside of their tent. That to me is dumb as shit. Oh yeah. I know people that have had mice eat holes. In oh, yeah, them, and I just no. But see, it's more about the rodents than it is about about big animals. Oh, totally. Like, and, and I find, and actually, I think uh, Andrew Skirk has talked to that as well. Yeah, about sleeping yeah. sleeping with your food, and and What's he, call them? he calls them mini bear mini bears or something. Yeah, I'm not sure, yeah, but I mean, I've and I've the same way. I've been riding in the woods for oh god, you know, most of my life, adult yeah. life. I've been in the mountains, and and I, I think people might call them quote unquote bear encounters, but it's like, they're not, if you see a bear and it's like 200 yards away, it wants nothing to do with you. That's my experience. Well, especially like most people, the environments that they're going to be in, the bear that they're going to be dealing with is black bear and black bear skittish. Black bear hate people. They don't want anything to do with people. They want your food, but they don't want anything to do with you. Um, I think there's all kinds of people that kind of are like, it like have, bear phobia they're like well what about bit. bears yeah and like well, nothing about bears you don't carry bear spray no you don't carry a gun no well, what about a bear what about a bear like i've seen so many bear over eight thousand miles and i've most of the time i'm just seeing their ass running into the woods yeah. like <laughs> they're just trying I, to get away from me I, I was talking to someone the other day and it's like you know what i think and i've noticed um um other people instead of instead of freezing it's like talk sweetly Hey buddy, huh. how are you doing? Yeah. Are you just getting some getting some food? And and especially if it's kind of a closer, you know, I don't use the word encounter, but you know, if you're in close proximity to it, even just talking sweetly, then they're going to know you're not a threat. Right. It's like I'm just going to back up. I'm going to go over here and I'm going to wait till you go. I think it comes down to with your food. I think it just comes down to like just use your best judgment. Like yeah. if if you do your research, if you're going to be camping in an area where you know that it is you know, bears are bad. Like I, I threw hiked the Colorado trail this year. And as much as I never hang my stuff anymore, I did bring a line and a rock sack. And in the first like 50 miles of the trail, I hung my food because I knew that in that first 50 miles, like there was a lot of bear activity where bears were getting people's food. Like it's just known for it in that first 40 miles of the trail. So I hung every single night. Um, even though there were nights where I'm like, Oh, I'm totally good. Like I, and I never saw a bear, not one time on the Colorado trail. But then like, once I knew I was kind of out of that area where bears really aren't that active, then I stopped hanging. And actually I sent my line home 
um, in a in a mail drop. So I just think it's choosing your you know your best judgment. And again, I anyone listening, I'm not giving advice and don't hang your food, don't use a barricade, don't do any of that. No, I think it just here. comes down to yeah. I mean, is it is it always smart that I don't hang my food? Probably not. There's probably a lot of times where I need to hang my food, and I just don't. Um, and it's not the smartest thing, but I just think it comes down to yeah, use your use your judgment. But in my experience, I've never had a problem. Now, the caveat to that is I've never hiked in Grizz country. Um, I have personally, I was supposed to this year, I was supposed to come up and do the Great Divide Trail, come to your neck of the woods. Um, but that, obviously, I couldn't get over the border. So that got out. Uh, but I was going to use a, um, oh, what are they called? Um, I have one, an Ursac. Ursac I was going to yeah. use an Ursac for that. Because um, they don't require a bear can in the areas that I was going to camp, but I was like, well, I might as well take an Ursac. It's a little heavier, but like I, I know nothing about grizzly, like nothing, not a thing. I have no experience for anyone listening. Out of all the miles I've ever hiked, I've never hiked in grizzly country. I know nothing about them. I cannot give you any advice on them. <laughs> uh, but you know, I know hikers like hiked the Great Divide Trail a couple of years ago, and like saw grizzly every day, and they put their damn food in like a plastic shopping bag and like put it on the outside of their tent and didn't have any problems. But I think, yeah, it's just, it all comes down to do what you, whatever makes you feel safe. If using like a, a putting your food in a food bag and putting it inside of an op sack and then putting it inside of a bear can and hanging it up in a tree makes you feel safe. You should do that every single time. Yeah. That's it, really what it comes down to. Yeah. It's just trying to, trying to not, not attract as any attention. Right. And yeah, I, yeah. I think too, I even grizzly, I mean, we're in grizzly country up here on that little trip I did in the summer. We saw two, um, and one was super close and I, you know, I was top of a climb. I round a corner, take a left and it's like, there he is big grizzly. Yeah. And I just instantly, I, I kind of went, Hey, what are you doing? And the thing just like, poom, just took off. Oh yeah. They yeah, don't, dude. <laughs> they don't want anything to do with us. Now no, no. If that if that grizzly had cubs, that would be exactly. back up slowly. Exactly. Yeah. Turn around, you know, it's, and again, it's, it is experience, but in my limited, well, not that limited, but in my experience, encounters aren't encounters. Encounters are, it's like, wow, look at that beautiful bear. That's usually what it is to me. It's like, wow, look at that beautiful, fat, shiny, black, healthy bear. Yeah. Awesome. And then as long as right. it keeps going, you know, I don't know. Well, on, on the topic, since this is a bike packing podcast, on the topic of bikepacking, I thought that I would share something with you and anyone that's listening to this that might, obviously, people listen to your podcast are probably into bikepacking more than anything. <laughs> uh, but I kind of want to make an announcement of something I've decided that in next year, um, both in 2021 and in 2022, um, I am going to get into racing. Um, I'm going to get back into um, more bike packing and I'm going to actually get into some gravel racing. Right on, man. So, yeah, yeah. It's something I've wanted to, it's, it's kind of a part of my life that I kind of miss like racing triathlon for eight years. Like I miss that. I miss the race. I miss just that, you know, having somebody to compete against, um, which, you know, on a through hike, you're just kind of competing against yourself. That's yeah. really all you're doing. So I'm going to get back into it. I've actually been, or I'm already in training right now. I've right been, on hardcore regiment training every single day, trying to get back to that, you that know, alternate shape. That's awesome. And in a lot of ways, it's regardless gravel or, or bike pack racing, it's still a race with yourself. It's still your own, oh, yeah. your yeah, own totally. thing, right? Like, 
um, I don't really cons- consider myself a pointy stick, a pointy end of the stick racer, but I've done pretty well. And it's just, it's just, I don't know. For me, it's just trying to push as long as you can, as long and as hard as you can within reason, trying to manage all your, what your body's trying to tell you. And, and, uh, I love it. And it's, it, and I, I get home from a trip and, and Jasper's like, daddy, did you win? It's like, no, I didn't win, buddy. It's like, well, why not? It's like, no, this guy won. He was way faster than me. That's okay. I feel proud of what I did. Like, it doesn't really matter if I win it or not. It's a, it's just a, it's just the experience. So that's awesome. You're getting into that right on. Yeah, man. It's funny. Like, and, you know, inspired or I guess convinced by, uh, I was, uh, hanging out with, spent a little time with, uh, Lil Wilcox last year. Cool. And, uh, she was in, interviewed her for, for the film that I worked on last year. So I spent a little time with her and, uh, later on in the year, her and, uh, her and Rue shot a film. Have you seen their film? Uh, I just want to ride. Yes. Uh, that Rue did. Yeah. So I went down to the premiere of that in, in Tucson, um, and hung out with him for a little bit. We were talking about it and she's like, when are you going to get back into bike packing? And I'm like, I don't know. Like there's a part of me that kind of wants to do it. She's like, you should do it. And I'm like, yeah. She's like, yeah, totally. You should totally get back out there and start racing. So like it, it kind of festered for about a year. And then like recently, like I, I was kind of chatting with her on Instagram, just kind of back and forth. I was trying to meet up with her in Tucson where I was passing through. And I was just like, I went on this bike packing trip a couple of weeks ago. And there was a couple of days, like I went with two guys, but there was a couple of days where I rode a lot by myself. And I just kind of got, there's like this stretch. It was like this 10 mile stretch that we were trying to get off the trail and get into this town at this grocery store. We were on this frontage road, right? And it was not not really paved. Like it was old, like chip seal, crappy road. And I just, for some reason, man, something sparked. And I'm just like, I'm going to time trial it, this 10 miles, all the way into this grocery <laughs> store. And just like hauled ass, completely loaded down with everything. And when I got to that grocery store, I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna get back into racing. Oh man, that's <laughs> like, awesome! I'm like, this is something I really want to do again. So yeah, it's yeah, it's so fun. It's like, and not just the racing thing. I, you know, again, I said that the only the only reason I I do races is because I I don't have time to do trips. So those are my trips. But yeah. there is something fun about it. And honestly, I love the solitude. Like if you do end up oh, by true. yourself, and I do, I do prefer um, being by myself and being. Usually, I have headphones in all the time and it's a uh, m- more meditative for me than, than anything. Yeah. But, um, but still just like the through hiking thing, you meet people on, on the trail or you'll catch them or they'll, they'll catch you or you just, you leapfrog a lot in these things and you meet people over and over again and have these great conversations, like just deep, meaningful conversations. And it's like, okay, I'm going to keep going. See ya. And then you just, you leave and you may not even see that person again, but, totally. you, but you make all these little connections along the way. And, um, no, that's really cool, man. You should listen to some of my episodes with some of the racers I've talked to, like I've oh, Sofian sure. Sealy and Josh Cotto and, um, Leonard Deutsch and, um, yeah, all these people. Yeah. Evan Deutsch, I should say, sorry. Leonard Pretorius. Yeah. Lots of people. And, and they, they love pushing their limits and they just love the idea of doing it. And, and yeah, man, it, it's funny. Like I, you know, people know me for, I'm, I'm actually working on a, a video right now of the the Sky Island Odyssey that I did a couple weeks ago, that trip. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of going very short film with it. Like the beginning is very narrative, me talking about kind of my history with bikes. And most people know me for hiking and backpacking, but like cycling is my number one love, always has. Like tomorrow, if someone's like, you can either ride a bike for the rest of your life or you can hike for the rest of your life. Like I 
screw hiking. Like I'm, I'm done. Like I'd rather always be on a bike. It's, it's kind of just ingrained into me. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited to get back into awesome. it and kind of get that competitiveness back. Cause dude, I'm like that on trail. I'll be out on a through hike and like I hike by myself a lot, but I'll see like, you know, I'll see a group of hikers, like a tramway is what we call them, a tramway like up ahead. And they're just like casually hiking. And my brain will instantly go to like race mode. And I'll be like, oh, oh shit, I got to drop them. <laughs> and I'll just like, I'll pick up the pace and I'll, hey, and just like go past them and make sure that I'm like way out ahead of them before I kind of start slowing my pace down again. It's just like, it's, it's so ingrained into me. Always has been. It's like, hey, are you Darwin? Are you Darwin? Hey, it's Darwin. Hey, Darwin. Yeah. Hey, like, hey I see you. Uh, <laughs> what an asshole. Yeah. You just walked right by us. <laughs> I'm going to unsubscribe. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I, I get it. But And that's the thing that's hard about the bikepack racing is um, because you really have to manage that. Like people will pass you and you just have to be, that's fine. You, it's fine. And, and I, I know a couple of the races I've done, the starts are really, really fast. And I'm like, holy shit. Like the BC Epic, I remember I started at the very, very, very back. So this is a, a thousand K race across BC. Yeah. And uh, I, I started with some people touring, um, but the, everyone just disappeared. Just like, pow, everybody's gone. Yeah. And then I just set my pace. And, and over time, I ended up being back of the pack, about 60 people. I think I finished in 13th or 14th, you know, so over time. And then people don't like riding through the night. And that's the thing too, ride through the night. People, oh, people yeah. hate it. Like I was, oh, I was going I'm, out of, I'm, I'm a, I'm a massive Mike Hall fan. So like, Oh, awesome. Oh yeah. I, I, yeah. His style was always great to me. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Dude, that's the way to do it. Like, so <laughs> I, I remember hitting, hitting Penticton. Was it Penticton in the Okanagan here where all the wineries are? Most of the wineries are around there. Yeah. And just sitting there and the sun, sun was setting and uh, smoked a bowl and hopped on the bike and, and just, there was this big climb. It was like 30 or 40 K and I was singing reggae and, there were, there were bivvies all along the side because because people just don't like riding through the night. Yeah. But I always tell people, man, the best part, I think, of, of these events is riding all day, riding into the night. Like the sun goes down, it gets darker and darker and darker, and then oh, it gets yeah. super quiet. Everything's quiet. And, oh, yeah. And, uh, you got it to yourself. Yeah, you wait as long as you possibly can before you turn your light on. Or sure. the other thing is if you take a break and you're in the, you're in the you're remote, you're somewhere in the middle of friggin' nowhere, you stop yeah. to take a break, turn your lights off and play, oh, yeah. pull your I'm, headphones and just I'm stand the there. Way up, so. Yeah. And you look up at the stars and you're just like, you're so insignificant. You're just this mammal yeah, in dude. the woods. <laughs> I'm the same way. Like on the trail when I'm hiking, like a lot of people are, you know, always like, why do you, I, why do you hike so fast? Like you hike so many miles. What do you, and I'm like, I don't really hike that fast. I just, I will hike all day because like, I love hiking whenever like uh, getting up before the sun comes up and hiking like early in the morning and watching like the forest come to life or like hiking into the night and like everything starts getting quiet and still you have the whole trail to yourself. Yeah. And, it's like, beautiful. And like seeing how long you can go without like using a headlamp, like letting your eyes yeah. adjust to the moon and the, and the stars. And yeah, man, it's great. Yeah. Makes you feel alive. Absolutely. Well, man, I feel like I've taken up a lot of your time. This is a very impromptu chat. I liked it. I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, man. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like like I said, I'm 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 a bullshitter. Like I will sit and like <laughs> talk and, and tell story forever. That's that's just what I do. <laughs> well, that's awesome, man. And then why don't you just I mean, for people who don't know, um, where can people find you? Oh God. Um you can find me on YouTube, Instagram, I guess Facebook. I don't really use Facebook. No. Um anywhere else as Darwin, 
on the trail last name is like on the trail all one word um and then if you want to check out some other types of media that i produce and work on even some bikepacking media um we actually recently just did a an article on bikepacking um check out the outdoor um also on instagram the outdoor evolution and we produce content on hiking on alternative lifestyle like van life um on bike packing and touring, um, a little bit of everything. So yeah, I kind of have my hands in everything media wise and outdoor wise. So, well, Darwin, keep creating and keep putting the content out there and living your purpose because I think, uh, what you're doing is, is helpful to a lot of different people and thanks man. Everyone appreciates you. Absolutely, man. You too. Right on. Thanks brother. I want to thank Darwin again for his time and thank all of you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I think the one takeaway that all of you should take from this conversation is to find an outlet for your creativity. And it doesn't matter what it is. It could be playing an instrument. It could be writing. It could be recording audio like this or playing an instrument or creating art or working in your garden, or it doesn't matter what it is painting, find a creative outlet. And I think humans need that creative outlet. And if you can try to find that, I think you're going to find your life to be a little bit more fulfilling. And so I think out of that, uh, you know, one hour and 40 minute conversation, I, I hope that's something that you take away. And I really hope you enjoyed it. If you want to reach out to me, you can, you can send me an email uh, to myback 40 podcast at gmail.com voice intros, guest suggestions, feedback. I love hearing from you. I want to thank my sponsors again, dynamic cyclist and cycling 101. The promo codes are at the beginning. And uh, I just want to thank all of you and thank the, thank you guys for the support. And uh, I've said this a couple times too. I really dig how this podcast is resonating with you people. And um, it just, it fills me up. It really, really, really fills me up. And being a part of this community fills me up. And, you know, going back to the conversation again uh, with Darwin here, you know, um, connecting with people of the same mindset and the same, like with people who are, you have so much in common with is so important. Um, and that's what I get from this community, this My Back 40 community. So I thank you. I want you guys to get out there and ride your bike. Um, the podcast guest I was just talking to uh, actually wasn't today. It was a Saturday morning. Um, he lives in California, in and around LA. And I was like, so what's the temperature down there? And he's like, oh, you know, it's warm. And, uh, and it's just like, oh, yeah, it's minus 11 here today. And he was like, yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> so that kind of made me laugh. But it's like. Um, I sent him, I, I went for a ride today and I sent him a text and I went, no bad weather, just bad gear. And just a picture of the icy trail in my, in my fat bike. And he was like, wow, man, that's crazy. So, um, anyway, thought I'd share that, get out there, ride bikes and please, please come back next week. Don't forget to subscribe. Give me a five-star rating and a review helps me grow. And I can't wait to bring you another podcast. So until then keep the rubber side down.